Hey gang, it's Turner here with your off-week content from the Gimme the Loot podcast. This week, we're rebroadcasting the audio from our DM Splaining Deep Dive on the Action Economy. Just to remind you, this is audio that was captured during a live stream from our Thursday night shows. So there'll be more clicks, coughs, pauses, and generally a lower level of production value from the main content. So just keep that in mind. If you want to see these shows live and in person, tune in Thursday night, 7.30 Central, at any one of our streaming channels. Check out the show notes below. Or support our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash gmdlcast for full-time access to the VOD. I do want to take a moment before we jump into it to say thank you to everyone who participated in our first Gimme the Belt event. Y'all came out and either participated as combatants supported us as guest DMs, are very graciously donated to support game to grow With your help, we raised over $1,200 to support a nonprofit organization that uses tabletop role-playing games to provide therapeutic, educational, and community growth to kids and teens each week using the games we love. And thank you so much for everybody, again, who participated or just showed up to watch, or and absolutely thank you to everyone who donated. We sincerely appreciate your support. That's it for me this time. Hope you enjoy the rebroadcast of the show. Boom, there it is. He, he, okay. once, once Jazz's head starts bopping, the stream starts broadcasting. <laughs> Yay, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to the latest episode of DM Splaining, uh, the D- Dungeons & Dragons Rules Explainer brought to you by the Gimme the Loot podcast, the Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition actual play podcast that likes to pretend it knows what it's talking about. My name's Turner. I will be your host. Uh, I'm sorry, let me, let me correct that. My name's Turner, as heard on the Conan O'Brien podcast, and I'll be your host and using my introduction to introduce myself and using my bonus action to encourage my co-host to introduce themselves joining me today are uh jamie i play eldrin on the gimme the loot podcast and uh, you might know me as last week's DD Fortnite champion all right i am jazz i play fate on the gimme the loot podcast and i lost all my hair I am Anthony, and I play Baba Tunde, and I was going to make a comment about your hair. Looks nice, guy. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Cool. All right. Well, this week, gang, we are talking about the action economy, what that means in 5th edition, and maybe getting an opportunity to roll back in time to talk about exactly how goddamn confusing it was in previous editions, um, because I did do spend a little bit of time pulling from the first through three and a half editions. I didn't get the opportunity to dive too deep into four. And um, again, I know, uh, I know a lot of people well, I sent out not a lot of people. I have read criticisms of fifth edition as to being the occasional oversimplification. But let me assure you, if there's one place where the design really shines a little bit and speaks to that how it's not an oversimplification, but it's more of a polish, it is combat and the action economy in this particular case. So Diving into it real quick, we're jumping into chapter nine of the player's handbook where, and we're going to really just focus on, I think, combat more than anything else, because that's really where this takes the the biggest focus. I mean, obviously, I know I'll have you guys do initiative sometimes when there are 
competing social interactions, like when we're, everybody's rushing to see who gets to the bathroom first in the Winnemago before <laughs> Moyle, or, um, or if there's, um, you know, if, if, if there's a, there's a couple of other different reasons why you might throw your party into initiative to work out the timing of events. But <clears throat> this is really mainly to focus on combat because that's where the game balance elements kind of jump into it. So, um, Anthony, you want to lead us off with, uh, explaining initiative and how initiative works? So initiative is the uh, initial role that uh, dictates the order of actions in combat, like who gets to go first, second or third. It is kind of the representation of who reacted to the situation first. And typically will be rolled individually by the party members um, and then DM's discretion a little bit on the monster side of things. Um, You know, you can. Yeah. Sometimes on the DM side, you'll go, okay, you guys are fighting three big monsters. I'm going to roll those three separately. Or if it's three different little separate groups of little guys, they're going to roll together. So sometimes as a dungeon master, you'll clump those combat elements together. Um, And then sometimes, sometimes that's a convenience factor. Sometimes that's a strategic factor that you want to balance out and give the players the opportunity to act in between bigger groups because you really don't want to screw your party over and go, okay, you guys are fighting 20 bandits. I'm going to run one roll initiative for that. uh, And you guys will get your turn in a half hour when I'm done rolling to hit. (laughs) Yeah. And what I've seen DMs a lot of times do is like the generics in the the battle will go all together. And then like the special, like the big bad, or, you know, maybe his second hinge, uh, uh, Right-hand man, those two will have their own separate initiatives, but like everybody else who's generic will go together. Yeah, you'll split it out either by by difficulty grouping. Um, a lot of times I'll do it by type. Like, hey, the, the melee combatants will go on one initiative. The archers will go on another initiative. The spellcasters will go on another initiative. And again, that's to give you guys the opportunity to make strategic decisions based upon how those roles shake out. And so, you know, because again, that very much will direct how you guys may approach um, a strategic and given you guys as the party of a five, I should say when you're playing outside of the podcast, because employing strategy within the podcast, I think historically we know isn't necessarily the case. Just while we took a second to sidestep, um, you guys were kind of talking about how um, handling the initiative with monsters. Am I the only one when DMing will um, handle monster grouping for initiative by positions? No, no, I think, I think you, um, yeah, I could see doing it <coughs> close, mid, far, you know what I mean? I, that's, uh, you know, I think you, I think you group it by how you want that strategic element to play out for the players. Yeah. Um, and, and, and also how it's, how it's easy. Like, I guess these are the guys on the left. These are the guys on the right. These are the guys in the back yeah. also works as, or also works pretty well. So cool. Uh, speaking specifically about the combat round, mm-hmm. a round represents about six seconds in the game world time. Um, during each round, a participant uh, in battle takes a turn, and the order of turns is determined by that initiative roll. So um, a lot of times you will see spell durations as one minute, and everybody's like, oh, that's not very much time. Like, no, 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 that's forever in D&D terms. So, uh, so the, the whole fight. So in, in putting in the context of the podcast, a, a round means Todd goes, Moyle goes, Eldrin goes, Fate goes, 
uh, uh, Baba goes, group of monsters one goes, group of monster two goes, group of monster three goes. That's around that's six seconds. Whether that's two people fighting or one person fighting themselves, whatever. I, this, this example took a real weird fucking turn. I'm sorry. It's been a long day. Or if it's 20 people fighting each other, that doesn't change. It's kind of a static measurement of time. Um, and and 10 r rounds in a combat is a particularly long fucking combat um, in 5th edition mm -hmm. just because of the way that the hit points and the damages scale. So, um, which again, I like. I, I mean, it's, we have had some combats which have come pretty close to that. Um, you know, I personally don't do a super great job of tracking how many rounds that we've gone through for spell durations. Um, that's something that, uh, that I absolutely could do a better job as a DM. And there's tons of tools out there for that, both physical and digital. Um, but, it's fine. Uh, you don't need to keep up with that. No, no, now that we've yeah. mentioned it, hold on, I'm making, I'm making a note right now. Now, <laughs> fuck over fate. Making uh, a note, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna underline that. Um, wow. <laughs> so, so cool. Uh, differences from older editions um, is you guys ro you roll initiative one time, pretty much. It's modified by your dexterity. Um, it's modified mm -hmm. by certain class abilities. So your dex modifier adds to your initiative modifier. Certain subclasses can get additional bonuses to initiative. Uh, Eldrin has the knitting needles of alertness, which is a homebrewed version of of a dagger of alertness, which gives him advantage on initiative. Baba, you've got advantage on initiative on, now at seventh level, or is that coming up? Uh, or six, or, or what? No, well, you know, I mean, guys, uh, yeah. warning, I, warning, warning guys. I get advantage on seventh level. The, the, the guys <laughs> are going to go up a level. So, I mean, I, I couldn't I couldn't keep you at level five and six forever. I, I, think, uh, I think it's okay to spoil that. Now, what you do with that level would be a big fucking spoiler. But as a seventh level barbarian, you would get advantage on initiative. So, correct. So, cool. All right, let's get into. Um, really quickly, just touching on surprise, um, Jazz. Do you feel comfortable explaining surprise? Uh, yeah, because I'm surprised right now because you can't exactly, even exactly. I, we don't yeah. plan any of this fucking <laughs> shit out in advance. You should know hey, this by now. Well, hey, listen, I'm I'm all also, about the improv. So. Some of us plan this stuff out in advance, they, you know. But no, go ahead. Give me, give me, give me some surprise. Uh, so, uh, surprise is almost uh think ambush tactics like a, you, your party wanders into a room it's dark it's poorly lit and all of a sudden a mysterious rogue park pops out of a shadow and you know <laughs> fires off you know a, a bolt into the back of your barbarian who's not paying attention so maybe he wasn't ready to rage and takes full damage for that or you know triggers sneak attack um surprise is the point of initiative in the combat that actually happens prior to initiative if i'm not mistaken Correct. But yeah, there's basically a round of combat that the yeah. surpriser gets to fire off on the surprisee. Yeah. Um, it, it, expla like, it explained in the, the player's handbook is like if a gelatinous cube is sliding down a dungeon passage and you guys don't notice it, if there is a, ba a band of bandits, band of bandits? Um, yes. Uh, that seems right. a little bit redundant. Uh, a, a, uh, a mob <laughs> They're playing of bandits, music. Uh, a mob mm -hmm. of mobs, um, then you would have... <laughs> Uh, a uh, they would have and they were invisible when they did their first attack and popped out of invisibility they would have a surprise on you um, 
so uh, it, the DM determined, now this is interesting, and this is honestly the first time we're really kind of digging into this particular rule in 5e. The DM determines who might be surprised. If neither side tries to be stealthy, they automatically notice each other. Otherwise, the DM compares the stealth check of anyone hiding with the passive wisdom score of each creature on the opposing side. And that's one of those cases where, you know, passive perception, passive insight, um, I forget what what's the third passive score that you guys have on your character sheets. Oh God, I don't remember the two. <clears throat> the band of bandits. Yes, we I'll will be making a band of bandits. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Let's go to the character sheets real quick, because that yeah. which should give you an idea of how frequently this rule actually gets used. Um, the passive scores are something that, um, again, are a little bit of a. Um, are are really cool to passive insight, passive investigation, and passive wisdom. Right. Uh, or pass, I'm sorry, passive perception. perception. Yeah, yeah, there we go. So the you know the 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 practical application of passive perception is if you guys are walking down a hallway and you're not actively keeping your head on a swivel for somebody that's hiding, their stealth check is checked against your passive score. Like if you're walking down a hall and not actively looking for traps, the stealth score of that trap. Has, is checked against your passive, um, and, and and I think even in the um, we were talking about the last month, lost minds of Fan Delver backstage, um, there is a section in that where there's a hidden passageway, and it talks about hey if your player's passive perception is higher than that, um, so basically if if you're not paying attention, then somebody who's trying to sneak up on you, their stealth check is checked against your passive score, and uh, any character or monster that doesn't notice the threat is su is surprised at the start of the encounter. If you're surprised, you can't move or take an action on your first turn of combat, and you can't take a reaction until that turn ends. A uh, a member or a group can be surprised, even a member of the group can be surprised, even if the other members aren't. So it's not an all or nothing thing, and it also excludes reactions, which is one thing that I didn't necessarily realize off the top of my head. So um, we talked initiative, talk surprise. Uh, let's get into the your turn piece of it. All right. So uh, one, one more thing. The uh, barbarian actually has a pretty cool ability to break surprise uh, that they can mm -hmm. not be surprised if they decide to rage. Uh, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do remember. Or they can rage that. out of surprise. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's like if, if you've ever snuck up on somebody and gone, blah, and they've spun around and punched you in the face, that's the barbarian move. <laughs> yes, that's, that's exactly That is the real-world <laughs> application of that, which uh, my wife would probably kill me for telling me. But my, wife, my daughter, I can hear, like I, I record in my master walk-in closet, and I can hear my my daughter sneaking around the house trying to surprise my uh, my son and my wife. And I was like, okay, all right, you want to play this game? We're going to play this game. So I crept out and snuck up on her, and she was talking to my – she's standing in, our, in her bathroom door talking to my wife who was in there, and I jumped out and gave her the blah, scared the shit out of her, scared the shit out of my wife. My wife totally shoved my daughter in front of her like a human shield, and I was like, oh, barbarian move, fantastic. Like it is, the, it is the, uh, the, the react and shove. I was like, oh, that's awesome. I wish I had that, uh, I wish I had that on film. Um, in other kids, they're, they're good for, uh, good for uh, human shielding. Um, Are you sure? Or blaming, your, or blaming your bad introductions on. You can always blame a bad show introduction on your kids as well, wow. as, ja as Jazz really? would tell us. Um, so let's get into your turn. All right. On, on your turn, uh, you can move. 
up a distance up to your speed and take one action. This is the kind of standard baseline. Um, you decide whether to move first or take your action first. Your speed, sometimes called your walking speed, I don't think I've ever referred to the, it as that, but okay, your walking speed, uh, is noted on your character sheet. Um, so you, uh, the most common actions you can take, we'll get into a second. Um, it, you can forego moving, forego moving, forego taking an action or doing anything at all. If you can't decide what to do on your turn, there are some defensive actions you can take. Um, and then we'll kind of dive into those once we get into, well, actually, before we even get into the actions or other activity or that craziness, let's talk about exactly what an action can do. Uh, who wants to grab at a, uh, an action action? what that breaks down. Anthony, you want to give me some actions? Uh, I'm glad you worded that that way. <laughs> That's right, buddy. That's right about it. So, um, one, I mean, the base, base you can attack uh, is definitely one. Um, some people can uh, use attack multiple times with a single action. Um, let's focus on that. Let's, let's have the breaks and focus on that because that's okay. one thing that I probably hear misrepresented most frequently mm -hmm. right? obviously when uh, when fighters and other melee classes hit level five they get that multi-attack mm -hmm. right so you when using the attack action which is probably the most common one you make one melee or ranged attack um, certain features such as the extra attack of the fighter allow you to make more than one attack with this action you don't get multiple attack actions with that no. you get right. multiple attacks within the one action correct and right. so occasionally you will hear that representative as oh hey i used my one attack and with my other action can i do this it's like dude no no no. you don't get a whole nother action you get to just swing your sword extra times within that one one action right. in of itself which dramatically changes the implications of that ability once you understand the right way of doing because if you're really seeing this as okay now i get two actions because you've equated attacking with an action it becomes infinitely more um, not infinite but it becomes dramatically more powerful and i think it's, it's really important to understand that you are it's a subset of an existing action correct um you can cast a spell um uh fate you want to take that one what else <laughs> I mean, in casting a spell, I mean, depending on the cost, as far as the action economy is concerned, mm. whether that spell has a casting time of an action or a bonus action, which I'm sure we'll touch on later. We'll touch on um, bonus actions next. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but spells are, I'd say, not the second most common action, but they're they're pretty high up on the list of things that you do with your action. I'd, I'd probably uh, say they're the second most common, man. I mean, you know, there's. Yeah, I, I definitely. The uh, the the big thing to remember is it's basically leveled spells and cantrips both have an action, um, and generally their power level. It's not necessarily their power level, but whether or not it's a a pure attack spell or a utility spell or a healing spell yeah. mm -hmm. will play into whether it's assigned an action or a or bonus action or potentially because a lot of a lot of there are a lot of defensive spells that have a reaction um the and, and that's to balance it yeah. out against the fact that you can only cast one leveled spell per turn yes which which the by kind of tearing out which spells are an action and which spells are a bonus action that's that's that balance that comes from to, you know that keeps people from just going full on nuke crazy with stacking action and bonus action damage spells Boo. Correct me if I'm am I right? Am I wrong? 
spellcasters. Okay. Mm. Yeah, you, you, yeah, you just got yeah. yeah. I can't. Yeah. Why am I not? Wait, uh, oh, yeah. The, the caster. By me, because the spellcaster who wants to cast then all be a the sorcerer. spells at once. Then be a sorcerer. All right. You, <laughs> they, they made a class specifically that lets you break that rule. Um, and then they balance it with some other with some other uh, components to uh, to do to do it. Um, so uh, next action that would be the dash action. Uh, dash. So, yeah, when you mm-hmm. take the dash action, you gain extra movement for the current turn. This equals your speed after applying any modifiers. With a speed of thirty feet, for example, you can move up to sixty feet on your turn if you dash. So basically, you're moving thirty. You choose to dash. You're moving another thirty for sixty total. Any increase or decrease to your speed changes this additional movement by the same amount. If your speed is thirty and it's reduced to fifteen, for instance, you can move up to thirty feet this turn if you dash. In other words, you can't. It is. It's not double mm-hmm. your base movement. It's double your available movement which will make a big difference in difficult terrain and things of that nature this is not something we get too deeply into detail with um on the podcast because we're more theater of the mind it is uh, you know 5e does have a lot of positional balance components that play into it when you're playing in home games um, and you guys will see it appear it does will pop up in the podcast but specifically in encounters that are um movement based um, because I do I do like to, to occasionally mix one of those or two of those in, in in an overall arc where it's like hey you guys are in a race and you've got to make a decision as to whether you want to act or dash or, or, or you know the the movement encounter in well there's two movement encounters one which has been published one which hasn't been on the podcast so far obviously the first one was the win of Majo the next one coming up is is something completely different um, and you guys just immediately went fuck this we're just going to fight <laughs> so I was like okay alright that's cool <laughs> That's a fair choice. I'll, I'll go with that. It makes it makes adjudicating this a little bit easier. Yeah. Right, right on, right on, cool. Um, now, now, granted, I I built a character who's only supposed to say fuck no, this. That's I'm no, no, that's true. That's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. Uh, the, uh, you also built a character that through abilities can move like 120 fucking feet and around. So he can absolutely so, uh, using the dash action. Uh, uh, Jazz, you want to spend disengage? Uh, explain disengage. Fate spends a lot of time running away. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's about to say it should be Fate's like favorite action, but really it's more of a Todd thing. Um, so disengage is when you have decided that hey, somebody wants to fight you and you're not interested in that, so you just uh, you know, my bad, and walk away very carefully to make sure that they don't hit you when you're not looking, because you know people like to sneak attack people. Um, yep. Yeah, it, opting t- instead of attacking, you can uh, your movement doesn't provoke opportunity attacks for the rest of the turn. It should be worth noting, just your movement. You can still provoke opportunity attacks in other ways, especially if uh, if a feat allows um, somebody to create an attack of opportunity outside of normal context. This is just specifically for you to bravely run away. Right. So. Yes. Mm-hmm. Or not so much bravely. I mean, you could still be a coward while disengaging. But <laughs> the point is that you strat- strategically ran away. It's a tactical okay, so withdrawal. Robin, we get it. We get it. All right. All right. <laughs> Do you have expeditious retreat? It, it does like feel like spell. a fade spell. You would think so. He's got. He's got a missy set. Listen, he's he's an evocation wizard, man. You know, it's outside of his. All right, of his uh, Jamie. Do you want to chime in on any of these? Are you cool? Uh, like dot? You want to jump in on dodge? Uh, I I do not know where's dodge here. Okay, 
Cool. Yeah, I, did, I didn't know. I just want to leave you. No, I didn't no, want to leave cool, you hanging man. up there. Like, all right, I, I all right am not cool. As versed in this, I know the ones that you already went over, and that's as much. <laughs> right on. Uh, dodge is another defensive action. Um, it's one that, uh, again, I think is underused. I, I think if uh, that yep. if, uh, instead of attacking, you focus entirely on avoiding attacks. And until the start of your next turn, any attack roll made against you has disadvantage if you can see your attacker and you make dexterity saving throws with advantage. You lose you this benefit if you're incapacitated or if your speed drops to zero. Uh, so this is, as Todd would like refer to them, as the matrix-like maneuvers uh, 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 <laughs> action where you uh, uh, really just focus on dodging out of the way. That's a huge defensive bonus that you can give yourself in a round, um, especially if you've yes. got bonus action options available to you so you're not completely just sitting out. Um Something that, that, you know, especially if you're somebody who has bonus action healing spells, you can really still contribute to the team and make yourself hard to sell to hit. So since dodge is an action, though, you have to use it before someone like you can't use it as a reaction, right? Like it's not you can't like say I dodge like unless you're tied, then you can fucking dodge. Correct. But it lasts until the start of your next Uh, turn. So, yeah. So when you yeah, when you think of the initiative cycle, if they're at 18 on initiative and you're at 17, then, yes, their first attack on you would be would be a flat attack. You would kick on dodge. Their second attack would be at disadvantage, and then it would flip back around to your turn. So, yeah, if you think of it kind of as like the positioning of a clock, yes, coming before you, they would get that initial attack fairly, but then yours lasts all the way back around to your next turn. So, yeah, the and uh, Saga Nadal brings up the the monks can spend a key point to dodge yeah, as a bonus action. That. So they could still act and then um, and then dodge. And I think where the reason I think it's underutilized is because I think it's a great option where you actually don't know what to mm-hmm. do. Like, yeah, if you don't if you if dashing is not going to get you somewhere to be in the fray or if, you know, you just don't really know where the enemy is or anything like that. But, hey, I don't know what to do. Yeah. I'm a dodge. Yeah. Like dodge and ready action are great in that in that moment. Right. And, I think a lot of people, especially, you know, people who who get introduced to role-playing games through video games, when they think of that Final Fantasy option menu of what to do during Uh during combat, I mean, look, parry or avoid in those games always sucked butt. (laughs) Um, You know, it was not not a useful (laughs) option generally. This one is fucking worth it. You know what I mean, and yeah, it lets you take, it lets you assess the situation. It lets you be defensive. The dexterity saving throw thing is fucking huge too, especially for with higher level <laughs> characters who have an ability that kicks in and lets them take half or. I'm sorry, it lets them automatically take half damage or take no damage if they succeed on a dexterity saving throw. Like, if you've got the ability to dodge, if you see a dragon, your first thought should always be, I'm going to motherfucking dodge until that breath weapon comes out, and then I'll worry about attacking. Like, there, you know, there's so many, you know, there's there's ways really to strategically use it to your advantage as long as you keep it on the list. Um, the help action. Uh, Jazz, you want to take a stab at the help action? Ooh, help is one I'm not familiar with because fate's, an asshole. Um, <laughs> accurate. Accurate. So, help. You can lend your aid to another creature in the completion of a task. When you take the help action, the creature you aid gains advantage on the next ability check it makes to perform the task you are helping with, provided that it makes the check before the start of your next turn. 
Uh, yeah. Alternatively, you can usually use this one a lot with like uh, with like pulling people up ropes yeah. or yeah. stuff like oh, that. Oh, that would have been nice. Uh, helping people pu- helping people push things, yeah. uh, stuff like that it is definitely uh, good in those situations. Where where you'll see this used most, uh, like the limitation to this in combat is the five foot. Uh, rule typically so like if if baba and todd are engaged fighting somebody together todd could opt to give the help action to baba to give him advantage so that the um so he could get that first attack roll in and turn on his barbarian abilities like that would be a way to strategically now again he's sacrificing making an attack that round but by ensuring baba hits the first round now all subsequent rounds the enemies would have a disadvantage about from attacking anybody else where you'll see this used most frequently mastermind rogues have an ability within the subclass that let them use the help action up to 30 feet away um which is really fucking cool um and, and i know mastermind rogues are one of the i don't know they want to say they're one of the more maligned rogue subclasses but they don't necessarily look the strongest on paper but when you take into consideration that they basically have a uh, an ability that is stronger than bardic, bardic inspiration and can be used in unlimited number of times as long as they they feel comfortable burning their bonus action on that it really can contribute pretty significantly to to a combat so yeah the and as much as i much as i get on to rangers rangers with pets mm -hmm. can have their pets help other people which is really really awesome yeah and you'll you'll see i think uh, i think that came up with the artificer class multi-class builds that we did that's something that you'll see with the, with the artificer mm -hmm. and and i think familiars can do that as well uh, uh I, i'm not um haven't played with a ton of familiars in 5e yet um hide um again since we have a rogue that doesn't use stealth this would be one that's not familiar with to a whole lot of people um <laughs> When you use the hide action, you make a dexterity stealth check uh, in an attempt to hide following the rules for hiding. If you succeed, you gain certain benefits as described as unseen attackers on targets. Uh, and we'll touch on, uh, we, I don't know if we'll actually touch on, we're not really, because it really isn't so much about combat rules, although most of the action economy pertains to combat. This is really about what the different choices you can uh, uh, enact. Yeah, hide, uh, you know, hide, I think can be a little bit controversial and potentially create some conflict if you don't set parameters mm -hmm. as a DM for it very upfront. Like, hey guys, here's the deal. Um, I'm really uh, liberal with hiding uh, in combat as long as you're, you know, there's some rough train or there's some rubble or whatever. But if you're in a room with somebody, the odds of you being able to duck behind a table and have them not know where you're at are pretty fucking slim. Um, uh, so, uh, and, you know, Having played so many rogues, I will admit I am probably a very liberal rogue DM when it comes to it, just because I've, I've played so many uh, going back all the way to the, the very beginning of D&D. &D. Um, so that, that's something that I generally, you know, if, as long as there's something going. And I think, I think even smaller, um, smaller species, like the half, I don't know, maybe the halfling or gnome have an ability that specifically says that they can hide behind other people to that respect or hide behind other creatures. Um, so I know it. Yeah. As long as it's one, yeah. one size bigger than them, which, which who isn't bigger than a halfling. Um, no, here's, here's probably the, so the hide can be a little bit controversial, but can provide benefits. Here's another one that can be a little bit of controversial. Um, and, and probably one of the more complicated ones, the ready action. Uh, Anthony, you want to take, take this one? 
Yeah, so the Reddit action is essentially an if-then statement. You're saying, I am going to do something when a condition mm -hmm. is met. Um, I'm going to hide behind this door, and when someone opens it, I'm going to hit them, right? It allows you to kind of forego your turn um, to do something on a condition being met on some kind of situation, but it has to be said explicitly what the condition yeah. is. Uh, you can't, you have to define it beforehand. On, you have to define it on your turn and then it triggers so later. I always have a question about this one because I never know like how specific we need to get. Like, can I just say like, I ready an action to attack after Baba attacks? Like, is that valid? Or do I need to be like doing something more specific? Like when this guy attacks Baba, then I know like. Yeah. I would prefer, again, this is something that's going to probably vary a little bit. Again, this is kind of one that's a little bit more open to interpretation and in that you you really have to ask your DM as you're planning on doing it to get a feel for it. The examples that they give in the player's handbook are if the cultist steps on the trap door, I'll pull the lever that opens it. Or if a goblin steps next to me, I move away. If you would say, hey, I'm going to ready my action. If, like, let's say you guys roll initiative and you roll higher in the initiative than Baba right. and you're not sure what everybody's going to do, you're going to okay i'm gonna hold my action and attack who baba attacks mm -hmm. um or i'm gonna hold my and, and if baba doesn't attack that's not triggered you know right. what i mean um i think that's mm -hmm. a that is broad in the respect that it's you know giving almost giving your turn to baba in a certain respect but it's specific enough that you're not randomly picking another target mm -hmm. like you're zeroing in and it'd be like you drawing your bow back and kind of following along and waiting for baba to shoot and then letting your arrow you know kind of loosing when baba attacks so you know i, I think mm -hmm. it's i don't think it's a negotiation but i do think it's a discussion and i think as a dm if I mean, it's, it's, you, you can usually interpret what the intent is and then kind of zero in on that. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and again, I will say, you know, yeah. for me as a DM, it's if you add a list, a little bit of narrative twist to that, like, hey, I'm going to draw my bow back and wait to loose until I see what Baba does. I'm like, OK, well, he's holding his action. Cool. And, and I'm going to roll with it. Yeah. And the other thing that needs to be uh, stated and people need to be careful with is when you readied a leveled mm -hmm. spell. If the condition does not happen, that spell fizzles. Yeah, and, and concentration so, uh, yeah, comes into play in that. Um, if uh, to be uh, a spell must have a casting time of one action, and holding onto the spell's magic requires concentration. If the concentration is broken, the spell dissipates without taking effect. For example, if you're concentrating on the web spell and ready magic missile, your web spell ends, and if you take damage before you release the magic missile with your reaction, your concentration might be broken. Um, so that's uh, the other piece of this is this triggers your reaction. So this this actually ends up using up two components of your turn within a within a round. Yes. So you're using your action to prep the if then. And then when that goes off, it's going to use your reaction. And we'll talk about those after we talk about bonus actions. But that could potentially rob you of some defensive options. So um, a lot of times you'll hear this represented. And I think it's actually re probably referred to in earlier editions as, can I hold my turn? You'll help you. Oh, can I hold my turn until after so-and-so goes? Um, which, you know, I, again, I, I, I like the option to potentially push yourself later into the initiative. But at the same time, I think that this does require some strategic thought and i really i while it, it's less flexible than holding your turn might be from previous rule sets i like the the thought that you have to put into it um and again i, I again i think it creates 
some narrative focus. Like, okay, I, you know, I'm going to collect the spell energy and hold it into my mind and be ready to fire off that magic missile spell when it goes out. Um, Fate went out and stood in front of a moving truck that one time before he put some guys some sleep and they died horribly. Um, that's, that did not uh, go the way I planned. No, I didn't. No, I did not. If, if your action is to attack and you're a melee attacker, you have to have moved into range before your reaction. Then, in that case, right? You can't like use your reaction and then move uh, when right. you have your action ready. Right. Yeah. 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 So if you're if you say hey, I'm gonna if, if you're a melee guy and you say hey, I'm gonna hold my action to attack you, Bob attacks, and then Bob runs thirty feet ahead, you're out. You're out of luck. Yeah. You know what I mean? That that just yeah. doesn't go off that round yeah. particularly. It's a um, it's a readied action, not a readied movement and action. Yeah, I I think mm-hmm. it's useful. I think it's something that um can potentially be abused. And again, I think it's one of those things that as a player you've got to go into it. Um, looking at it from the strictest sense, and then backing your way out of that. And then as a DM, I think you need to go into it from a liberal sense and narrow your way down. And I think if both of you guys kind of come at it from those directions, it's much easier to meet in the middle. You know what I mean? If the player thinks of it in a stricter sense and the DM thinks of it in a broader sense, then when, when you guys come to come to that meeting of, uh, of, of turns, then it'll be a little bit easier to, to find the, to, to kind of get in sync. So, um, and if you're not sure, always refer back to the rules as written. This is one that's pretty clear cut. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, uh, search. Here's another one that um, I'm probably a little bit more liberal with, but is very specifically an action. Um, when you take the search action, you devote your attention to finding something. Depending upon the nature of the search, the DM might have you make a wisdom perception check or an intelligence investigation check. Um, you know, the, it, you can very specifically lose it, use your reaction to look around for that one guy in or your action to look around for that one guy in combat that you're there to, to, to can I look, you know, can I survey the, the, the troops to see if I can identify who the leader is that really should technically be your action. I'm generally going to let you do that shit without burning your action. This is one that I, as a DM, yeah. I just shy away from. I feel like this is more, um, not necessarily mm-hmm. that situation. I, I agree with you on the situation you just presented that that would be more mm-hmm. of a free action to look around. But like, if you were to say, um, like you're in combat and there's a, uh, I'm thinking of the the Star Wars sewer mm-hmm. situation, right? Like there's a, the, you know, the, you know, the walls are closing yeah. in, there's the monster in this. So we're in initiative, we're in combat, but I'm looking for this. I want to search for the right. switch to cut off the, like that would be an actual yeah. action I, within yeah. combat. Like that's how more I would think that is. It's like you're looking for something to do something. Like you're intensely looking in the midst of yeah, combat. Try, trying to figure uh, out how to turn off the crystal that's polymorphing your friends into animals would be a, would be a good search action. Correct. You know what I mean? um, yes. And, and that, one yes. may, that one could go either way, perception or, or, or intelligence. Yeah. You know, the, the, the trying to find the leader thing, I think, is if you – again, is, hey, if you've got like a hundred – troops and they're all dressed the same and you're really having to stop and use your turn to pick one guy out of a crowd as opposed to just looking for a guy with a red banner flag flapping over his head Mm -hmm. but yeah you're right that's again yeah yeah, i can see but but again that's one that i tend to be a little bit more liberal on to whereas like oh shit i dropped my key i uh, (laughs) that the context i put it in my head is the i dropped my contact lens okay 
If I if if it's I'm looking for my keys, I'm generally going to let you guys do it. If you drop your contact lens and have to stoop down and find it, because in my head, searching is stooping down and looking for shit. Um, then I'm going to make you use your action for it. So, um, use right. an object. It's exactly what it fucking sounds like. <laughs> uh, you yeah, you use an this, object. Oh, and uh, this, but this is the one that you guys probably need. You <clears throat> normally interact with an object. So you stop, you guys need to stop abnormally interacting with shit, period. Um, <laughs> but uh, you normally interact with an object That's while bad. doing something else, such as when you draw a sword as part of an attack. When an object requires your action for it to use, you use the use an object action. Uh, this action is also useful when you want to interact with more than one object on your turn. Um, so there's some free action stuff, and we'll get into that. Drawing your sword is generally a free action, right, guys? Or is that and it's like Draw, drawing drawing a sword? sword. Yeah. One. So One. Um, drinking a potion uh, is using an object. Uh, controversially, I have let the guys do that as a bonus action previously, and I reversed my opinion on that on a fight <laughs> coming up on the podcast when it became uh, when when healing became more of a factor, and I was like, no, no freebies on this one, guys. Um, <laughs> And and honestly, that's something that um, that I, I've been inconsistent on. But it makes sense, you know what I mean? Like it, you you know, activating a magic item, using a wand, drinking a potion, um, activating a Rubik's scrolls. scrolls. Yeah, a, a, a lot. In, mm-hmm. in a lot of cases, those items mimic one of the other actions, right? Yeah. Like using a wand is going to mm-hmm. be the same as casting a spell, drinking a potion, very similar right. to having, you know, cast, having a, casting a healing spell on yourself. Um, I, I think that's where you'll, you'll definitely, you know, it becomes very clear cut when like, Hey, it is by using this thing. Is it, checking one of the other boxes you know using this magic item lets me you know search an area you know let you know using this magic item lets me turn invisible or or hide um you know generally it's replicating another action of some kind right when you're when you're using an object um so real quick going into you heard us you heard us talk about free actions bonus actions and reactions um just touching on um free actions so there's a a few things that you can do um, and, I, and I don't think I don't think really free action gets brought up in in fifth edition. I think that's a term from previous editions. But there's a, a sort of a laundry list of things that you can do while um, move as can, in addition to in tandem with I should say in tandem with your movement and your action. Um, draw or she she the so, draw and, and you'll notice these are half of you know, a, a, a circuit like draw or sheath a sword, open or close a door, pull a potion out of your backpack, pick up a dropped weapon, take a, an item from a table, remove a ring from your finger, stuff some food in your mouth, plant a banner in the ground, fish a few coins from your belt pouch, uh, down an ale in a flagon, uh, throw a lever or switch, um, pull a torch from a sconce, take a book from a shelf, Extinguish a small flame, don a mask, pull up the hood of your cloak, uh, put your ear to a door, kick a small stone, turn a key in a lock, tap the floor with a 10-foot pole. Man, that was such a fucking component of first and second edition, guys. They, there was not a – if you didn't have a 10-foot pole in your pack as an adventurer in 1E, what the fuck were you doing? If you weren't doing that and listening at doors, 
what the fuck were you doing? I just want to know, like, what did everybody look like walking around with, like, because a 10-foot pole is not a small thing. Like, how the fuck were people carrying around 10-foot poles all the goddamn time? It uh, it looked like the Olympics, man. It looked like track and fucking field day at the Olympics. They must be adventurous. Well, I, you know, I mean, yes, in the real world, we would make them collapsible. But when, you know, uh, uh, 12 year old, 10 year old me certainly just had thought of a big fucking giant flexible wooden thing. <laughs> Uh, and they were used for tapping the floor in front of you for triggering traps because first edition, if you blinked wrong, you fucking died. Yeah. Um, that, uh, and so the, I, I had what. an experience similar to that in this edition because somebody yeah. decided to try that strategy out with a not 10 foot pole and I died. <laughs> because 10 feet was generally the blast radius of a lot of shit. Um, hand an item to another character. What's um, There's a lot of picking up and putting down in this you know what i mean yeah. um there's what's interesting in and i could see the one of these out of all of these that i could see a dm going no wait that's use an item is the throw a lever or switch which i think is is probably out of all of those is the one that i'm like mm, is that really use an action but but you know no i mean it's a, it's a if you can think of unsheathing a sword as a free action or a tandem action why not throwing a switch you know what i mean so yeah, what's what's weird to me is that you can drink a beer but not a potion. Yeah, because uh, uh, I was absolutely sitting <laughs> there thinking, like, damn, somebody's like downing an entire not beer, about, like just down all the ale in a flagon. So, if you want to carry around all your potions in flagons going forward, <laughs> I will let you fucking down those fuckers as a free action. How about that? That that is the trade off. No stoppers. No caps, Damn. not secured to anything, just beer steins of fucking healing potions. And uh, would you have we to do were, like a dexterity check every time you move to not spill it? Like, yeah, oh, oh, yeah, no, I'd get real shit. Does the Winamajo have cup holders? Uh, well, I, not yet. You guys certainly could get them installed. Also, I mean, who knows how long a healing potion keeps after you crack those things open? That's, who knows what's in that's those? What a things. potion koozie for dairy? You don't know. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Potion koozie. <laughs> that's why they're all in fucking. This yeah, sounds like merch, sir. Yeah, that sounds like merch. Also, whichever one of you doesn't go the next time you go to drink a potion like you're cracking open a can I'm gonna be pissed you know what I mean or, or make a like a cork popping so like hold on who's got the corkscrew I need to drink a healing potion um, yeah, exactly. do I get to pull out the corkscrew as a free action uh, yeah, yes. ironically, yes, you would get to pull out the corkscrew as a free action, <laughs> uncorking the potion and drinking it, not so much. Um, so, uh, uh, so, uh, and, I, and I think really, if you really wanted to get into the nitty gritty bit of it, that's why it's because the <laughs> many of you have not opened shot today on the fire. Sorry, <laughs> oh, old Robin Williams. Okay. <laughs> um, a couple other things before we get into the bonus action. Uh, we talked about movement. Um, you, you can break up your movement in between your actions. So um, if you've got a move mm -hmm. feet of 30, you can move 10 feet, take your action, then move the other 20 feet. You can take your action, then move all 30. You can move all 30, then take your action. They they are, uh, you get both. Um, they're not interdependent upon each other. And, they, you know, sometimes 
you can use that to your advantage. That's something that you should, I think Todd does a lot of where he'll run up attack and then run away uh, because it's a component of the swashbuckler. Cl- I mean, and all swashbuckler rogues should be doing this. Like that is one of their key features. Run up, hit, run away um, like a Napoleon Dynamite. Um, Just saying. If somebody <laughs> runs up, starts fights, and then runs away from them, but I just avoid fights and I'm the coward. That just that does not compute. It's all, it's all about brav, bravado, man. You, uh, <laughs> it's you, the you way know. that you cower. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the, this is what this is. And this is actually one that I, I wasn't super familiar with. And again, this is probably one that doesn't come up that frequently, but using different speeds, if you have more than one speed, such as your walking speed and a flying speed, you switch back and forth between your speeds during your move. Whenever you switch, subtract the distance you've already moved from the new speed, and the result determines how much further you can move. If the result is zero or less, you can't use the new speed during the move. So, for example, if you have a speed of 30 and a flying speed of 60 because a wizard cast fly on you, you could fly 20 feet, then walk 10 feet, then jump into the air and fly 30 feet more. So, your your maximum isn't going to exceed that's 60 feet in that particular case, but you can split it up between the two, um, which I think is, uh, which I think is, I mean, it's still, again, you're, I, I could see how people interpreting that as an additive kind of deal. Um, and it's, that's not the case. You're, you're going to get that max movement, but then you can, you can alternate between the two difficult terrain plays into that a little bit. Um, you, you guys, if you've watched the challenge the challenge ratings, difficult terrain is, um, you know, boulders, blood soaked, Colosseum floors, entangled roots sticking up out of stuff, swamp, swampy areas. Um, basically, you get half your movement um, when moving across um, difficult terrain. Every foot of movement in difficult terrain costs one extra foot. This is true even if multiple things in a space count as difficult terrain. So it's a singular situation. You can't have triple difficult terrain. It's either difficult terrain or not. You either have half speed movement or less. No, I think where we and we may have screwed you a little bit, Jamie, in the uh, in the uh, ultra exciting um, uh, battle royale where you were had half speed because you were in the ethereal plane and everything was difficult terrain. And then we actually, I think we have that. I think we gave you double difficult terrain when you were moving through blood in the ethereal plane. Or did we not? No, we decided saying that now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We would have. I thought about screwing you. Didn't didn't up doing it. Wish you had. Um, What? What? The, the other uh, the other thing that kind of plays into movement is is then being prone. Um, if you drop prone or knock, some you know there's th- a lot of things that can knock you down on your ass. You can drop down on your ass um, if you ha- have to do that. Uh, you can drop prone without using any of your movement. It's falling on your ass is free. Um, if you standing up, however, takes half your movement. Um, so if you have a movement speed of 30, you have to spend 15 feet moving up. As you get older, like me, you also have to go, oh, God, or sitting up and sitting down. Being knocked prone, the dad noise comes out, as well as rising from prone. Um, Is there ever a, can, a time when you'd want to go prone, like that you'd actively choose to do that? Like when would yeah. that come into play? Range attacks have range attacks have oh, disadvantage really? yeah. if you're prone. Yeah, so being yeah. prone um, gives you um, your prone creatures only movement option is to crawl. All right, uh, the creature has disadvantage on attack rolls, but an, an attack roll against the creature has disadvantage if the attacker with with I'm sorry has advantage if they're within five feet. So melee attacks have advantage on you, but 
anybody further than five feet away is attacking at a disadvantage, um, which would include spell attack rolls from a distance. Yes. What if I've got a reach weapon? I was wondering it's a melee weapon, but I think I think I've got uh, in this particular case rules as written five feet. Okay, rules as intended. It's melee attacks. You know what I mean? Like if you're if you've got a you've got like a halberd and you're and you're stabbing it and chopping at a guy on the ground, I would say that would be effectively the same as as a melee weapon. I mean, it's a component of that weapon to give you the extra reach. So, um, so yeah, I mean, you you could pretty much drop prone and use the dodge action and make yourself real fuck stop drop and roll and you're real fucking hard to hit you know what i mean whether it's melee or ranged in that particular case oh um, shit why why has nobody brought this up before i know it seems kind of very very broken <laughs> against me uh, yeah. well, <laughs> because you're also laying on the ground rolling around that's fucking <laughs> but, but i stay alive Can, can he cast spells from the ground? Like, can God he just... damn right I can. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh-huh. he can. Yeah, yeah. He's, that, he's that in oh, our campaign? Right. Yeah, he absolutely, yeah, absolutely can. Um, and I think, I think there's a, 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 yeah, in fact, the, the episode I'm editing right now, you, you get restrained even, and your movement rate drops down to zero, and you're still cat- firing off spells because it makes really no fucking difference for, for a spellcaster um, uh, or for generally ranged attacks. So, all right, let's get into the uh, bonus actions because I think that's the um, the kind of the next logical step for us to, to talk about. Um, so you've got your movement, you've got your action, you've got that all the time. Um, the, uh, the other thing that comes up is, uh, pretty frequently is bonus actions. Uh, bonus actions are a additional action taken during your turn in combat that's provided by a, uh, ability, a magical item, um, a offhand item, a... I don't think there's, are there any a racial feat? I think there's some racial feats that grant bonus actions or, or a spell um, or, or through casting a spell. Um, some examples include, hang on, let me pull this, sorry, I'm pulling, pull this up. Um, examples uh, would include, uh, let's see, various class feature spells and other abilities let you take an additional action called a bonus action. The cunning action feature example, probably the, most commonly used bonus action other than spells on our podcast allows the rogue to take a bonus action. You can take a bonus action only when a special ability spell or other feature of the game states you can do something as a bonus action. You otherwise don't have a bonus action to take. Uh, you can only take one bonus action on your turn. So you must choose which bonus action to use when you have more than one available. When you take a bonus action during your turn, unless the bonus actions timing is specified and anything that deprives you of your bill, abil- I'm sorry, you have to take it during your turn unless it very specifically says otherwise. And anything that takes away your action also takes away your bonus actions and i may have screwed i feel it feels like i've let you guys slide with that one time on the podcast but um but yeah so it's not you it's not a second action again it's very very specifically a bonus action that is tied to an ability um eldrin give me give me one of your bonus actions uh basically every spell i ever cast specifically (laughs) hunter's mark is my bread and butter and that is a bonus action and planar warrior is also a bonus action i use that and and the the using that once is the balance check 
against your damage output. You cannot cast Hunter's Mark and Planar Warrior on the same round. Because that'd be silly. Because, I mean, doing that the next round, you still get the damage or, or the uh, you still get to do it the next round. Fate, give me your bonus action. Uh, Misty Step. Because sometimes you just want to get away. Yep. It's your a, a leveled spell that allows you to teleport away. Baba, does Baba have any bonus actions? Rage. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Um, kind of a big one. You're right. You're right. I just assume he gets to do that for free. Um, which at some point, barbarians do get to do that, right? For just for the shits and giggles, it's no longer a bonus action. Uh, I don't know. I don't think I'm. Yeah, that, I'm, I'm going that high. <laughs> yeah. The um. So the, what's interesting about bonus actions is they they have a pretty broad application of use. Um, ranged healing spells are bonus actions. Um, they which do which in addition to the benefit of being like healing word, um, in addition to the benefit of being a bonus action, um, they are ranged, but they do less than a than a full action. Um, movement based, um, uh, like misty step, um, additional damage. Like um, uh, like uh, the spells that Jamie casts or his abilities, you don't get a whole lot of main strikes as a bonus action. You know what I mean? It's I think it's intended to be an enhancement or a movement or a support action for the most part. The the pre uh, the aforementioned mastermind rogue using the help action as a bonus action. My hot pockets of death um, come out as a bonus action. Do they? Do you cast as a bonus? No, action you cast it as an action, it? but they get Same. they get discharged as a bonus action. So, so I summon again, them as an action, but they right. get discharged as a bonus. And how much damage when they do when they when they dink out? Two uh, d six uh, at 2D6, standard sir? level. Yeah, pretty yeah, pretty significant. And and Eldrin's you're one d eight on the um, on your planar warrior, right? Uh, if planar warrior is engaged, yeah, that's that's, yeah. that's damage. Yeah, so there's, yeah, there's, so, but again, you've got to burn that action to set that up, and then it's kind of burning off charges a little bit. And I think there are magical items that, um, I think there are magical items that you can, once activated, you can specifically then do secondary actions as a bonus action, um, but they, they will generally require you to burn that action at least that one one round to get it to get it up and running um the biggest thing that comes up i think between bonus actions and actions is the spell cantrip conflict is you cannot cast a level one spell that's an action and a level one spell that's a bonus action in the same turn you can do one leveled spell either an action or bonus action and then fill in that uh that primary slot with a uh with a cantrip or that secondary, or that bonus action as a cantrip. Um, I, I get. I just find it a, a upsetting that haste doesn't fix that. But haste gives you another action. But it can it can only be used uh, certain ways to attack. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Yeah. That that does kind of suck. Yeah. That does. That sounds like a rules as written versus rules as intended scenario. Then, because um, that's absolutely something that be- benefits melee classes much more specifically than, yeah. than casters. Yep. Um, but haste is concentration as well. Uh, no. Yes. Is it? Yeah. Is but, it? but make no mistake, man. You could still fucking throw off and cast haste on yourself, and then. Well, no, you. Yeah, you get an extra action. It can be used to attack, dash, disengage, hide, or use an object. Yeah. So I can't haste and then fireball twice. No, but you could fire bolt twice, right? No, you could, you Uh could, you could, uh, yeah, you could haste. Do you, yeah, but not even a cantrip? 
Yeah, mm-hmm. that, I'll tell you right now, mm-hmm. I would probably let you fire off some cantrips. That's just me. You know what I mean? Like that too, because to me, the cantrip is the mage's longsword for all intents and purposes. You know right. what I mean? It's what keeps you relevant after you burn up your spell slots. And that does seem like a, a slight imbalance in that respect. I wouldn't let you, no, I probably wouldn't let you cast haste and then a magic missile, but I would let you do an extra firebolt that round. I imagine and again, this is where. I imagine they didn't want to step on uh, twin spells, tolls. Yeah. No, I, I I get that. But, I mean, haste is such an iconic spell. In, in, and, and it has a downside. That's the other thing to it. It's like you are exhausted when it expires, right? There's a round where you've got... Oh, no. You pick up a level. Uh, the target can't, target can't move or take actions until the next turn. That's it. Yeah. When a spell ends, yes. the target can't move or take actions until the next turn. That's yeah. So I, I, yeah, until after its next turn. Yeah. As a wave of lethargy sleep. So they basically do lose an action in a, in a round. Yeah. Um, after that, uh, in, in previous editions, you would age a year um, when you used haste, which Damn. wasn't a big deal for elves, but uh, <laughs> was a real motherfucker for humans <laughs> if you used haste a lot. Um, so uh, you know, and again, bonus actions can be a little bit controversial in certain respects. Um, I know uh, Todd very famously uses two short swords, and attacking with your offhand weapon is a bonus action. You technically can't not attack with your main hand and attack with your offhand as your bonus action. I know I've allowed him to do that before. Um, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me intuitively. Um, there's a, 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 and I mean, technically you can't use something that's an action in that bonus action slot. You know I mean? If you are granted, if something grants you a bonus action, you can't say, Hey, this is a bonus action cantrip. Can I cast two bonus action cantrips that round, one in my action slot and one in my bonus action slot? That's not really how it works either. They are they are intended to be very separate functions so that you don't double up as a balance. So um, the other kind of big component of the action economy is reactions. Um, it's one of my from a character building standpoint, it's one I'm getting kind of more and more into, frankly. Um, certain spells, abilities, and situations allow you to take a special action called a reaction. A reaction is an instant response to a trigger of some kind, which can, can occur on your turn or someone else's. Uh, the opportunity to attack, uh, which we'll talk about in a minute, um, is the most common type of reaction. Uh, when you take a reaction, you can't use another one until you the start of your next turn. If the reaction interrupts another creature's turn, that creature can continue its turn right after the reaction. Uh, Fate, you want to? You want to? There's a very, very, very prominent caster reaction uh, that uh, uh, that casters can use to fuck each other over. You want to throw out what that is? Shield. No. no. That that that, oh. that is one. That's not the one that I was oh, thinking about. Was, the one I was thinking about counterspell. Is counterspell that that one? And as you guys have re- reached into the realm of uh, uh, counterspells, um, I think legendary resistances are a reaction. Basically, um, monsters can can choose to pass their saving throws uh, with uh, with a legendary resistance. Um, opportunity attacks. Um, there are certain instances where, like, if you try and run away from somebody that you're engaged with in melee combat, that creates an attack of opportunity where they get to decide if they want to use their reaction to take a swing at you. Uh, Todd's reaction, Todd's gotten real reaction heavy lately with um, uh, first with the one that he never, ever, ever fucking used, although it's more uh, more powerful than he would think, uh, which would be Hellish Rebuke. Rebuke. Mm-hmm. And um, most recently, he has finally leveled into 
Evasion? No. Um, yeah. Uncanny Dodge. That's the one. Uncanny Dodge is the one that he can use, um, and that's what he. And it's it's funny. Right as he finally started to figure out reactions, he got Uncanny Dodge, and now watching Harlan go through the personal struggle each time to decide whether or not he wants to hellish rebuke or fucking Uncanny Dodge is honestly one of part of my favorite parts of the game because right he is just torn, torn inside. Um, Do I hit back very or not get hit? <laughs> very similar to uh, to uh, bonus actions. You only get one reaction, um, but it can be used anywhere in that turn order. So if you think of it as the, like a clock, if I'm going at initiative uh, uh, 20 um, and you're going at initiative 19, um, or I'm sorry, you're going at initiative 15, and uh, then the, another opponent's going at initiative 6, uh, and I used my reaction to reduce the damage you did, and then somebody attacks me after that, I'm pretty much screwed until my turn loops back around. Mm-hmm. So uh, the the uh, the thing that it took me a while to understand was that the enemies also only get the one reaction, because I like mm-hmm. was way overthinking, like, hey, if I'm in range and like someone moves away, they've already used that reaction for their attack of opportunity, and then I can move away freely without getting hit. Uh, right. I, I totally didn't make that connection for a while. Yep. Yeah. That's one thing. And that's one thing that as we get into this and, and balancing against you guys, as you get into higher levels, there's, there's two ways to balance against that. One is bigger, beefier monsters with higher hit pools, but then also <laughs> is larger groups of monsters that can swarm into you that, that have a larger pool of reactions to push those consequences further. Um, especially as an archer who gets, has problems when uh, when you get a ranged because ra- uh, aiming a ranged attack is more difficult when a foe is next to you. When you make a ranged attack with a weapon or a spell or some other means, you have disadvantage on the attack if you are within five feet of the hostile creature uh, who can see you and who isn't incapacitated. And I'm pretty sure Fate's gotten away with that a couple of times because I don't typically tend to think of spell attacks as a ranged attack because of my roots in in older editions. Like making a attack roll for a spell is very much something from later editions. And so I, it doesn't really always click to me that if somebody's up in Fate's face and he's making fireball rolls, he should be making them at disadvantage. No, mm-hmm. I do I do pretty good of making sure I go with stuff that doesn't require me to make attack rolls when stuff's in my face. No, no, I, yeah, you're you're good at teleporting away and and kind of m- moving in between stuff or using spells that don't require it to like thunder you thunder, thunder waving your way out of it and things like that. But um, it is it is one of the things that just doesn't inherently click in my head that that also was kind of reinforced a little bit when I was doing the alchemist because crossbow master gives mm-hmm. you takes away that there there are certain feats that give you advantage in certain combat situations and crossbow master and i think i think probably one of the other archery masters is designed specifically to also give you take away the disadvantage of being in melee range for range spell attacks to make the feat more attractive they're like if this is such a specialized feat we explicitly added this piece to it to make it more attractive to somebody who's who's looking at their options they used to have a feat for that specifically in three five. It was called point blank shot. I think there's, I think there may be something similar with, and that's probably a deep dive worth doing for. Hey, I think you've just discovered next month's deep dive topic <laughs> feats, uh, because that is probably other than subclasses the broad the the broadest um, customization opportunity for characters in fifth edition. Yeah, and some of them are really fucking cool role playing pieces. 
And some of them are game-breakingly crazy when you employ them in the right way to stack the right combinations of abilities. Yep. Um, and, and so I think I think that's probably our, our next multi. But I, I think there might be something similar other than than the archery um, yeah. the spell. I, I know spell sniper. I think it's just crossbow expert. It's just crossbow expert. I think so. And it's really weird because it the mm. rules is written. Crossbow expert is really good for spellcasters and longbow or, or bow users in mm. general, like not crossbow yeah. people at all. Like uh, it is if you're an artificer, take the fucking feet. You know what I mean? Because between mm. being able to do repeating shot and then taking your hand crossbow and soup it the fuck up. And by the way, the way that, and again, you could get a DM that pushes back on this, but rules as written, one of the other benefits of crossbow experts is if you make a shot with a crossbow or, or if you attack with a one-handed weapon, you can fire your a, your hand crossbow as a bonus action. Mm-hmm. And a, one, a hand crossbow is a one-handed weapon. So rules as written, if you've got some magical way to make bullets reappear after you shoot them, you can fire your hand crossbow and then immediately fire it again as a bonus action, um, which is what my entire uh, roleplay versus roleplay character was kind of built around was the the start of that. Now, I still... I didn't get to take it as far and two fist the crossbows because of that reload component uh, to it, but... Um, but you could, you could have a shield. No, you, you absolutely could have a shield on top of it, yeah, <laughs> because you... Um, you could then infuse it for repeating shot and not have to worry about the ammunition. You can only infuse, and that was the thing is you can only have one the one infusion of each type, except for duplicate magic item active at any given time. And I couldn't do repeating shots on two hand crossbows, or mm-hmm. I was going to go that route. Even though it's not an optimal build, it just I thought it was a uh, a a cool two gun mojo build, which is why my guy's name is One Bow Mojo because it was his the realization that he couldn't couldn't be two gun mojo. Um, so uh, when you had, uh, the two handed weapon finding, we touched on this a little bit. Whenever you use the attack action with a light melee weapon that you've got in your main hand, uh, you can use a bonus action to attack with a different light melee weapon that you're holding in your other hand. You don't add the ability modifier to the damage of the bonus attack uh, unless the modifier is negative. Um, the uh, this is way more favorable than previous editions. This is oh gunner Saganetta. I think I think you're absolutely right. I think gunner is very the gunner feat is very similar to the crossbow master feat um, in a lot of ways. Um, the, uh, the and that may be the one that I was thinking about um, because that goes back to the artificer artificer builds. Um, the um, previous editions two handed fighting really took a lot of work to to negate the penalty of attacking with your offhand yeah. unless you are a ranger. Ranger got two rangers generally got two-handed fighting for free. When they democratized that ability a little bit more, it took away kind of one of the key elements of the ranger class and I think that's one of the things that's contributed to the perspective of rangers as underpowered in 5th edition a little bit um because it's um it's like it's one of their key things that's been kind of shuttled, made just a little bit more easy. There's not a you, you instead of incurring a penalty, you just don't get a bonus, which I know by definition is a penalty, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. 
One other thing, and, and now we're kind of getting into special attacks a little bit, but I think it's a component of the act, uh, attack action and part of the action economy, specifically because it has impacts on other people's action economy, and that's specifically grappling. Um, so if you want to grab a creature or wrestle with it, you can use the attack action to make a special type of melee attack. If uh, you're able to make multiple attacks with the attack action, this attack replaces one of them, which is interesting, which means you could grapple somebody and then punch them, um, which for if you're a monk, that's not a small amount of damage. Uh, wait a minute. Hey, Moyle here. Moyle's here. Hey, everybody, Moyle's here. Um, <laughs> hey, are we... Um, we're I mean, still we're still in the live stream doing the DMs playing. Oh, okay. we, have, we haven't wrapped that up. We're gonna pro this is probably gonna run for about another five minutes. Mold, do you want to hang out with this or you? Yeah, yeah, I'll hang out. Okay. Uh, I so, did all uh, the reading. Great, <laughs> fantastic. Uh, so we're talking about grappling. Uh, if you're able to make multiple attacks with the attack action, this attack would replace one of them. The target of your grapple must be no more than one size larger than you. Must be within reach. If you're use, uh, using at least one free hand, you try to seize the target by making a grapple check instead of an attack roll, an athletics check contested by the target's athletics or acrobatics. They get to pick what they use. You succeed automatically if the target's incapacitated. If you succeed, the target is subject to the grappled condition. Uh, the condition, uh, if you are, uh, once you move them into that condition, their speed becomes zero, which chains. Uh, changes their movement. Um, they uh, the also uh, the condition ends if the care if the grappler is incapacitated, and it also ends if the grappled creature is removed from the grasp, like being uh, knocked out by a thunder wave spell. So grappling in and of itself just means the opponent can't move. It doesn't immobilize them or anything. Um, if uh, the uh, escaping a grapple, a grappled creature can use its action to escape. To do so, they must make a strength check. You when you move, you can drag or carry the grappled creature with you, but your speed is halved unless that creature is two or more sizes smaller with you. Um, and then also there's the shoving a creature, uh, which you can use the attack action to make a special melee attack to shove a creature, either to knock it prone or to push it away from you. If you're able to make multiple attacks with the attack action, this attack replaces one of them. The target has to be no larger than one size uh, larger than you and must be within your reach. Instead of making an attack roll, you must make an athletics check contested by their strength or dexterity. They choose and you succeed automatically. Um, if you succeed, you either knock the target prone or push it five feet away from you. Um, this is, again, not something you, I've seen a whole lot of people ever do, but, I mean, if you've got multi-attack and you can knock somebody on their ass with a shove and then have advantage to, to stab them your next turn, yeah. there's, there's some strategic advantage to that if you're fighting against somebody that has a particularly high armor class, and then they have to use their... Um, their movement to get up because that, that will then impact their action economy the next round. Um, that is really everything I think from top to bottom, as far as what goes on during a turn, um, I'm going to run around and ask questions real quick, hit, uh, hit the chat real quick for questions. Um, and then maybe dip into older editions, just a quick tour of how much more fucked up it used to be. Um, and then call it a night guys. So, uh, going around the, the horn, um, in the chat saga, Nada, you're the only person I'm seeing. Um, do you have any specific questions about the, uh, about the action economy? Although judging by your comments about monks and the gunner feet, kind of feels like you know what you're fucking doing so, <laughs> so props for having uh for um 
knowing what's what's going on. But um, anybody have any questions in the chat specifically about the action economy? No, we're all good, dude. Okay, cool. Uh, so let's let's go around the horn then. Uh, Moyle, uh, any questions about what you can do on your turn? Um, I have several, but I want to let the other guys get a chance. Jamie, do you have any questions about what to do on your turn before we go back to more? I don't. I asked all my questions while we were talking. So Okay, fantastic. <laughs> yeah. See? Jazz, I'm I'm gonna guess no, but do you have any questions about what you can do on your turn? No, not really. Uh Anthony, any questions about what you can do on your turn? No, but this talk about grappling makes me want to build a, a yeah. uh what's it? The battle battle rager slash monk. <laughs> just grapple people and punch them. <laughs> there is a grappler feat. Uh, let me see what the grappler feat does in 5e. And I know that that's dipping a little bit into probably next month's deep dive. But the grappler, uh, you gain uh, you gain advantage on attack rolls against a creature you are grappling. Um, and you can use your action to try and pin a creature that's grappled by you. To do so, you make another grapple check. And at that point, both you and the creature are restrained. Uh, which means they have zero attack rolls against them have advantage. Their attack rolls have a uh, disadvantage and they have disadvantage on dexterity saving throws. So, um, so yeah, that's pretty good, man. Especially the, the, in that you can go in, you can tackle somebody and then just wail on them with advantage while you have them grappled. Um, so the, yeah, that, that is, that is a build coming from Anthony, uh, to a DM near you soon. Um, all right, Moyle, you're back in the hot seat, man. Did you have any, really have any questions? Do you, is there anything are, you wanted to hit on? Are there belt classes for grappling? No. <laughs> and, uh, does your grapple get better as you move up in, uh, rank? Uh, no. Level? As your uh, ability <laughs> score increases, your, your ability to attack, uh, and uh, do strength checks might increase, but the grapple in and of itself does not improve. Any other questions? Hip throws. Moyle, what's your <laughs> favorite bonus action? What's my favorite bonus action? Bonus action. Of of the Moyle character? Of the Moyle character. No, Just... of your other D&D characters. <laughs> I've made so many. Um, I know. I know you have. I know you have. I think... You've made, you've made so many just for this show. I know. Right. Uh... Probably uh, Channel Divinity, even though I hardly ever use it. Yeah. Channel Divinity is an interesting one because to engage it, and it's another one where turning it on is an action, similar to Melf's uh, Minute Meteors in our podcast, Minute Meteors everywhere else. Because um, remember, Jazz doesn't throw little meteors, he throws Hot Pockets. Um you're turning it on as an action, then having it move and do shit is the bonus action, um, which is, uh, you know, and you'll see that with a lot of the more powerful uh, extended spell effects where turning it on is the action and doing it. And, and, you know, honestly, that with with the invoke duplicity um, kind of feels like it should be a bonus action on both pieces. I don't know. I, I like I've never been a huge fan and I think you've used it less because it burns an action to turn it on. I think yeah. that turns turns you off a little bit. I think um, Blink <laughs> should also have a sort of bonus action inside of it as well because there's like a thing where you are, I guess it kind of does in a way, where you can do yeah. something in one realm and then go back to the other if you roll well. 
yeah, blink, interestingly enough, mimics the effect of a bonus action without using your bonus action because it makes you do that roll at the end of your turn to see if you mm-hmm. shift over. But it does it without burning up any of your your action economy. So it, it is it kind of sits um, sits uh, the um, sits openly. Uh, it kind of sits in a special spot. And there, I think there are some uh, other spells that. I mean, we discovered that blink and then. Um, Spiritual weapon. Hunter's Mark's a bonus action. Oh, okay. Yeah, turning it on, which is why you'll see Jamie kind of go back and forth between whether to use Hunter's Mark or uh, the, what's the other one, Jamie? Planar Warrior. Planar Warrior. Okay, cool. All right, so real quick, guys, I'm just going to hit on stuff from older editions um, and some of the differences in it. First edition, confusing as shit. (laughs) Let me just be perfectly clear. Like, I tried to go back and draw a straight line in between the way first edition was and fifth edition was. Ended up having to buy the DMG for the, the first edition to even get the full full picture of it. Um, surprise was done differently. So, again, instead of having the very clean, hey, we roll initiative at the start of combat, then we all take our turns and that's one round. And we keep doing that until combat ends. Um, first edition um, was broken up into a turn was 10 minutes. Um, a round was one minute. And then a segment is six seconds. That's right. The turn is the longest unit of measurement in that, which makes no fucking sense. Um, so, like, because you say, oh, I'm going to take my turn. Everybody's familiar with that verbiage. That makes sense. No, no, no. Not first edition. We didn't do things that way. In first um, surprise is simply the unexpected, the unprepared for. Characters can be surprised just as, cre- as the creatures they encounter can. Um, surprise is usually expressed as a two in six chance for all parties concerned, i.e. a six-sided die is rolled with a one or two indicating surprise. Some monsters are more capable of surprising foes, and some cannot be as equally surprised and have a re- reduced probability, such as a minus one one in six or a one in eight etc each one of surprise equals one segment or six seconds of time lost to the surprised party and during the lost time the surprising party can freely act to escape or attack or whatever literally just says or whatever um if both parties are surprised then the effect is negated so so if uh if you guys, if you guys were walking down a hall and a pack of goblins were walking down a hall and rounded the corner in each other's face, you would roll surprise dice, right? And if you rolled that you weren't surprised or you were surprised and the goblins didn't, uh, like if you rolled uh, a, a, a one and they rolled a six and the difference between your rolls was uh, five to two, four to one or whatever, you could lose up to three segments or three 18 seconds. So uh, assume the party of characters moving silently and invisibly comes upon a monster. They have a four and six chance to surprise the monster. Even though you guys, the ones are sneaking has a two and six chance of surprising you. A six, a six sided die is rolled for the party and another for the monster. Both sides could be surprised or neither could be surprised or either could be surprised. This is shown on the table below. Fuck you, Gary Gygax. I'm sorry, guys. Anybody who says first edition was, it's, it's, I mean, look, it's how the very first edition I ever played was first edition. I was very, very young. My brother just told me what to roll. It was fine. Uh, Red box was a little bit simpler, basic D and D second edition streamlined some of this, um, 
I would like to say initiative was simpler in first edition. The initiative factor affects those who affects who can do what and when during the course of an encounter of any sort. Surprise, already covered heretofore, obviates the need for initiative checks. Is okay. uh, so that's a situational spell at the DM's discretion, right? That's not a what su- initiative? No. no, well, surprise. No, surprise in fifth edition is. Um, in first, somebody, in first edition. In first, no, in first edition, it was rolled every t- for every encounter, basically. Oh, you, you, in yeah. lieu of um, what you just said, dang it. No, in addition to. Oh, in, in addition, addition to. to. You know, in addition to initiative. Yeah. So, so does so, it roll for disadvantage or advantage? It didn't exist in first edition. Um, I, so really basic, ba- yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, trust me, dude, <laughs> trust me. Even if you had done all the reading on this one, you'd, it'd be hard to fucking follow. My point I'm just making here. First edition got a little wacky when it got, came to this stuff. Um, initiative, um, it basically, um, initiative was, I, and I'm only going to read this part of it cause I like it. The initiative check is typically, typically made with two six sided dice. 1d6 for the party and another of a different size or color for the creatures encountered. Uh, This check is made each round of play where first action is a factor because a round is a full minute long. Dexterity seldom is a factor in the determination of which side acts first. Big difference between 1 and in 5e. Obviously, dexterity is a huge factor in initiative in 5e. Didn't matter in 1e. However, if one group is slowed or hasted or one or more members of the group are, the initiative will always go to the non-slowed or hasted side. In most cases, the group with the higher die score in most cases, the higher die score will always act first. The the biggest the big I mean and, and there's there's like a different set of actions and everything. The most besides the wackiness of that particular rule, the most substantial difference was spell casting could be interrupted in first edition. And this actually rolls forward into some earlier editions. So uh where fate casts spells now, it had a bonus action or an action. Moyle, you're the exact same way. Bonus action or an action. So in the previous editions, it had a casting time. In first edition, it was three, like let's say it was three segments. So the example that they give, and oh, wait, hold on, I like this page. Um, where is it? Hang on. Uh, but because but, but, it's a really it's a really condescending way that they talk about spellcasters that I specifically wanted to read uh, about fate. Uh, spellcasting during <laughs> spellcasting during melee. Spellcasters will always insist that they're able to use their powers during combat melee. Fuck those guys! Like just the way that it's like <laughs> spellcasters are always going to be casting their spells. How dare now, they? So, uh, the the idea was if um, and the example even going back to the player's handbook, which I won't read the full thing, is that the party surprises a, around a group of bandits, and during the surprise round, the wizard starts casting web, right, which has a casting uh, speed of three three segments. So starts casting the spell in his surprise round. The next round, the bandits get, get initiative and shoot fate with an arrow. Because he hadn't cast his spell yet, that spell is now not only interrupted, but the spell slot is burned. Yep. It was a real fuck you, um, which meant your wizard sat way at the back and desperately tried not to be noticed during spell. Now, it did create a strategic opportunity to just like, 
and, and this probably is what carries forward to interrupts in MMOs like WoW, mm -hmm. like that spellcasting interrupt and making sure that you have a class can like, okay, get in there and punch the healer in the face before they can heal the party. That's very, and it even goes so, goes so far to say, hey, look, certain monsters are going to be smart enough to know that the dude in the robes can cast fireball and will <laughs> fucking specifically shoot arrows at them. Um, you are very disincentivized did, in a lot of ways to cast spell cast. Did creatures cast that cast spells also have casting time? Like, could you interrupt them as well or was it? It depends on if it was a bill. Like, it gets into breath weapon, how breath weapons don't mm. incur that rule or certain spell effects. And in fact, very specifically, it talks about, hey, that's why wizards should use wands and scrolls and shit so they don't suffer from this it does specifically say it depends on the monster it depends on the effect in some cases they were immune to it in some cases they they weren't um so yeah like fireball has a three segment casting time so you would have had opportunities to come in and interrupt those um the second edition streamlines this a little bit um this is where you start to see really kind of what is the beginning of the modern action economy take shape. Um, you can make an attack, cast one spell. If the casting time is one round or less, um, drink a potion, light a torch, use a magical item, move to the limit of your movement rate, attempt to open a stuck or secret door, bandage somebody's wounds, search a body, hammer in a spike, or recover a dropped weapon. So some of that stuff, like picking up the weapon... Um, is actually a free action in fifth edition. So it's gotten a little bit more liberal. Um, but uh, the, uh, let's see, the combat sequence, I'm just looking to see initiative roles. Uh, initiative is normally determined with the role of each side in conflict. This tells whether the members of the group get to act before um, they're, uh, oh, in addition to the basic initiative, um, first edition had weapon speeds, which didn't really come into play except against spellcasters in a lot of instances or ties on initiatives. Um, there was an optional rule that I particularly liked in second edition where you had weapon speed, we weapons had speed factors that you would add to your initiative role. So a guy using a short sword was a little bit faster than a guy using a big two-handed sword. I thought that was kind of a cool element. We never really or used it a whole hammer. lot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, so you get um, third edition. Um, the is is definitely again moving more forward. What towards what we would see in fifth edition, but your type of actions again three and three five was super crunchy. Um, your action types in three five include your standard action, um, which allows you to do something, uh, a move action or a full round action, a free action, the not an action action. What the fuck, guys? <laughs> okay. um, and, uh, some activities are so minor that they're not even considered a free action. They literally don't take any time at all to do so and are considered an inherent part of doing something else. For example, for instance, the use magic device skill while trying to activate a device is not an action. It's part of the standard action to activate a magic item, which is an incredibly fucking circular statement, thanks to <laughs> So... Again, while you, while there, yes, while 3.5 is super crunchy and I think there are some really cool customization elements to it, when, when we, when you really look at globally the evolution of, you know, what can your characters do in a combat round? Because look, the, the, when a game is going to drag, is also ironically, you know, a lot of times in, in with D&D, &D, the most fun part of it, it, it can be combat. I mean, you know, I know some people aren't super into combat. Some people like to focus on the more role-playing aspect of it. But when you look at the amount of time in a play session, you can role-play through a whole shitload in an hour, and then you can get into a big combat, 
and spend, you know, you can, you can role play through three, you know, a month in an hour's worth of time. But when, man, you hit that combat round, things slow for the next 30 minutes is going to be a, a minute and a half. Um, Dungeons and Daddies are in their finale and they're like, oh, okay, it's going to take, an, I think the way they ended this, this episode was, hey, it's going to take two and a half hours to finish the next 18 seconds because there's a, <laughs> a, a ticking bomb basically going off uh, in their penultimate episode. Uh, and it's just like, okay, well, it'll take us two and a half hours to get through this next 18 seconds. And that's that's very much the way that it kind of grinds down. But, um, you know, the I think there's a certain elegance to the current system that allows a lot of flexibility. I love the bonus action reaction combo. Um the uh, skulk in the back is still my standard operating procedure for casters. That's true. Second out, right. that's um, yeah. It was such a great cliffhanger. Hey, chill out. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't got that far. Everybody dies. Um, no, I'm not kidding. Uh, the uh, the um, the uh, 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 the um, what the fuck? Where was I at before I got distracted by Dungeons and Daddies talk? Damn it, Saga. Uh, <laughs> the uh, the uh, the the flexibility that it gives you while still allowing to, to be strategic and dynamic. I think it's, I think, I think personally it's in a really good space. I'll do more of a dive into it. Yes. I'm omitting fourth edition from this conversation because God, my head just bounces off that shit. When I try and do analysis on it, I'm going to be honest with you. That's going to be something that I will be doing a lot in the, uh, in the downtime. So, um, it's time for the closing question. We're actually a couple minutes over time here. So, um, we're going to go around the horn and I'm going to ask you what your favorite action, bonus action, or reaction that your character can currently can do is starting with you, Moyle Mossberg, because that's how we go in order of introduction. You can do it. What's Moyle's favorite action, bonus action, or reaction? Blink, or not blink, um, Guiding Bolt or uh, Spirit Guardians. I'll probably say Spirit Guardian. So cast a spell would be your favorite action in that particular case. Um, uh jamie same question for eldrin uh yeah cast a spell bonus action for hunter's mark is my favorite so the cast a spell uh bonus action uh fate it was cast a spell but now i kind of think it's dodge (laughs) 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 my favorite action on the podcast is one i have never used (laughs) um so it's just keep cut to the next episode that where fate just rolls around on the ground, <laughs> popping off fireballs from his prone position. Uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. What have I, what have I, be, what have I created? What, what has my, my arcane rules uh, discussion birthed? Uh, Anthony, uh, Baba, close us out with your favorite action reaction. You might think it's the attack action, but it's spirit shield. Spirit shield, the 2d6 damage reduction uh, is, yeah is pretty dang awesome right now. I Yeah. And that's, that's one of the, like for the crunchy aspect of five E, I think that as I dive into some of these different character builds that we, we do stacking reactions with a character, I think is a really cool aspect of character design with what you can do with the classes, subclasses and feats right now, just because it gives you such a, nah, uh, fucking ability for, for, uh, you know, hell's heart. I stab at the kind of, kind of moments. Um, the artificers got a lot that you can build up. The um, rogues have got a lot that you can build up. I think battlemasters probably have a lot that you can do, and I'm sure there's a few, more than a few monk classes. So, um, so yeah, that uh, that will do it then, folks, for this episode of DM Splaining. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, if you're hearing this in the future, because we will kick this out as 
bonus content, our, our off-week content in the podcast feed. Um, if you want to see the video that accompanied this audio, head on over to our Patreon um, and uh, support the, the rebroadcast of our streaming shows. You get those at, even at the most basic level of support. Um, the bonus video content, like the challenge of the challenge ratings and the tournament of champions and the other uh, the other instances where I throw guys the guys into a pit and make them fight shit, including each other, um, comes at the, the next higher tier. But there's other stuff over there, like um, the uh, the Hunter's Party, which is our Supernatural Rewatch and Homebrew podcast. Um, DM notes. I promise I'm doing some more of those someday. Um, and uh, and all kinds of other great stuff that you can get for helping support the Party of Five. Um, keep an ear out. We are still planning on doing the uh, Gimme the Belt, um, which is going to be our first charity event. Keep an eye out for that. Um, cool. We're going to wrap it up, guys. As always, thanks for joining us. Hope you enjoyed the show. Peace. And stream.